This is Austin Real Estate Investing. Austin Real Estate Investing. We'll be discussing real estate investing in Austin, Texas, and bringing you experts from all different sectors of the real estate game. Your host, Jordan Moorhead, is a real estate agent and investor in Austin and is here to help you get started or to build your portfolio and explore new strategies. Hi, this is Jordan Moorhead, and this is Austin Real Estate Investing. Today, we've got Nicholas Landis on. He's a third-generation agent and investor here in Austin. He's flipping houses, and he's also getting into developing lots here in the Austin area, and he's going to tell you all about that. So, Nicholas, real quick, who are you, and how are you involved with real estate investing here in Austin, and why did you get started doing that? Uh, sure. So I'm a third generation agent, as you said. My dad was really only involved in real estate as a as a super young man, and then as as a means of retirement. But um, his parents were brokers in Chicago for 40 years, so it's kind of in my blood a little bit. And I originally got my license knowing that I wanted to eventually build into becoming a builder, but it's you got to take some baby steps along the way. So first of all, we had to make enough capital to invest in our first flip. And then after we did a couple of flips and really got comfortable with the process, um, I've got a building mentor in Dallas and her and her husband have been doing custom uh, home building for about 30 years. And I've, she's been a mentor of mine for the last 17 years. I've known since, since I met her when I was 16, that this is what I wanted to do. And I called her and I said, I think I'm ready. And she said, okay, what are you calling me for? Go buy a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I told her, I said, I don't think I'm ready for that. It's kind of, you know, it's a scary proposition. It's an, it's enormous financial risk and it's not something I'd done before. And she looked at me, her and her husband actually started, they got into the business back in the eighties with doing flips. And she said at their peak, they were doing about a hundred flips a year. So they were doing, they were cranking them out in the eighties. And she, she told me, she said, you've already been flipping. She said, you know, everything you need to know about building except pouring a foundation. She said, in your flips, you've probably done framing when you move walls and everything. She said, so the only thing you don't know is foundation. What are you scared of? And that was a bigger, big, you know, aha for me. So we found luckily a lot. We got an opportunity on a lot from an agent that's in our office. And I told, I told my, my mentor that I was going to build a house in 2020. And I went under contract on that property in the beginning of January, 2020. We closed in February and we're about 85% of the way through development now. That's awesome. So your development process is, is really only been about a year so far to be 85% in. That's pretty good. Yeah, actually, it's, it's really good because we dropped probably two months due to COVID. And we dropped probably another two months. When we closed on the property, we had to purchase a new survey. But the survey did not show an existing wastewater easement. And when we got to the city with our plans, trying to get our permits approved, uh, we had to kind of go dra- back to the drawing board because the house was over that, over that easement. So we're, we're on fire. We've actually, we only have been, we're 85% done and I broke ground only about six and a half months ago. So we're, we're flying. Yeah, that's really good. And just for reference for people who are listening, because I don't think there's really common knowledge of how long a new build can take. Um, mm-hmm. Can you educate our listeners on how long it would usually take to build a new house? That answer is going to depend a little bit on who's building it. So if you have a builder like Dr. Horton or, or Lennar or one of these enormous companies that have 
builds all over the state and all over the country, they can typically crank a house out in about four to five months mm -hmm. because they have guys that they can keep busy. They're never trying to scramble to find a contractor. They've got consistent work for many times years at a time. So they, they have the ability to be a little bit quicker. I think you'll find most custom builders would tell you that it's somewhere in the range of 12 months. Uh, if we don't have existing problems in the future, like wastewater easements and, and delays due to COVID and, st and stuff outside of our control, I think our, our sweet spot's probably gonna be somewhere in seven to eight months is what we're targeting. But you know, the current project we're at 13 and but when we finish, we'll be about 14 months in. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've seen new builds take as long as 18 months, you know, where people just don't have all their ducks in a row and they're waiting on the city. And you know, yep. there's a lot of factors that go into building new, especially if you have to tear down a house and then start your new one. You know, it's not as easy as just day one, you get started putting the new one up. You may have to tear down one just to get going. Exactly. And tearing one down involves a whole lot of steps too. You have to locate all the utilities you have to have. If there's gas on the property, the gas company has to come and take the riser off. Um, it's, it's a whole nother animal. And depending on where your listeners are listening in from, 18 months might sound short. You know, in Los yeah. Angeles, you can take 18 months to 24 months just to get through permitting. Oh, wow. So Texas is, Texas is, is relatively, Austin has a bad reputation of, with permitting being very difficult. And it is in comparison to other cities. Our zoning is also is also more difficult, but compared to California, Austin's a breeze. Absolutely. And that's a good point because a lot of listeners we have here are going to be in California, West Coast area. So everything's different in every area. You need to get to know people in your area and figure out what the process looks like there. So, you know, talking to somebody like Nicholas can be a, a big help when you're looking to develop in the Austin area. Mm hmm. So Nicholas, you know, you're, you're doing this project here. Uh, it sounds like you've got a couple more lined up. Is this something that you plan on being your primary focus moving forward? We'll probably have two primary focuses. Mm -hmm. um, I, I wanna eventually get into a whole lot of other things, but I just wanna have kind of tangential relations to those. But real estate and building are gonna be my two primary focuses. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it sounds like, you know, people all over Texas, why do you choose to do this in Austin? Yeah. I mean, I made a really conscious decision, uh, to come to Austin back when I wanted to, to, I was in Chicago, wanted to get out of Chicago. I didn't come to Austin specifically to do real estate. Although I have always thought I would get involved in real estate. I have kind of a, a connection with Austin. I've lived here on and off my whole life and it was time to escape the snow. And I wanted to come, I wanted to come to a place that was um, growing. I, it's, there's like an energy here. It's a palpable energy that's only increased since I've lived here this, this go around. And I, I, I wouldn't live anywhere else. Yeah. And it keeps increasing and, you know, COVID hit and we all thought, oh, this is going to slow down. It did the exact opposite. It really just sped up. 5x so yeah there is a real energy to austin and just the growth you know you're driving downtown you see cranes all over the place and you're driving through any neighborhood and there's construction going on and there's things happening everywhere and it's really something to living here and being a part of living here that's it's a lot of fun so no no wonder that it attracts so many people 100 percent agree so 
Um, you know, we talked a little bit about what attracted you to real estate investing. You said that your your father had done some of it when you were younger and you, you've been around the real estate industry your whole life, obviously your third generation. What specifically attracted you or how did you get just really interested in it? Was it a certain book you read or, or something or another? Or what um, got you? I'll be honest with you. My main driving force in getting into real estate was my mom. I... I was in Chicago, actually, in the restaurant industry, do, being an assistant general manager of a restaurant up there. And um, I quickly realized that there was no really room to grow within an organization that's a restaurant unless you become, you know, I, I could have gone to becoming a general manager, of course. But after that, there's nowhere else to go unless you want to be an owner. And at 26, I wasn't in a place where I was financially ready to own a restaurant. So... I had to make a change. Austin had always kind of been hearkening to me. Chicago winters are awful. So we came down here and really my mom was the driving force. She told me there's two things that you've always come back to in your life that you absolutely love, cars and real estate. She said, if you don't do something around one of those two things, you're not serving yourself. So I kind of got my real estate license on a whim and I'll make this super brief, but my first deal was like a crazy unicorn. It was a house that had been listed for over six months with two different agents and hadn't sold. So listed for over a year at $8.99. I went in and got real aggressive with staging and, and figuring out what needed to be done to sell the property. It just looked really old and it, and it was not taken care of. So anyway, we, we did these staging. We took like 40 truckloads worth of growth overgrowth in the backyard it was an acre property uh, out of the property we tore down a fence that was around the tennis court that looked terrible and we raised the price 100 grand and sold the house to an unrepresented buyer in uh, 13 days so at that point i had uh, obviously that deal is a unicorn those don't come around all the time we'd love for them to but they don't but it, at that moment i thought wow you can really really do well financially in this business, but you have to go a cut, a, a, you know, beyond. The only reason I got that listing was because we went that extra mile. So it was almost accidental. That's that awesome. first deal was so cool. It, I really decided, wow, this is, you know, this is not just the next step in a business career, you know, this is my, or in just finding a job. This is my next step in my career. I really need to dial in and, and get serious. Yeah, and it sounds like you went above and beyond in that too. So not, I mean, obviously the two realtors before you wouldn't have done all that. You know, I know most realtors, well, they have this small box that they work in and they'll do this, but they're not going to go too far outside of that box. And I think if you do, you can really be successful. So really yep. cool to hear about, you know, how you got into it. And it sounds like your mom was really smart to say, Hey, you know, you're interested in this. You need to jump out and do it. You know, if you're yep. go do something you don't like your whole life, you're not going to get anywhere. And yeah, I worked in the restaurant industry a lot until I was 22 or 23, but there really wasn't a lot of movement there. You could work really hard for a lot of hours and you're only going to get mm -hmm. so far. Mm -hmm. You're only going to make so much. It's, it's not the same as real estate where if you work really hard at going out and finding deals, you're going to put a lot of work together or sorry, a yes. lot of business together. Whereas if you're just, you can work 80 hours a week in the re restaurant industry and maybe you'll get a dollar an hour raise. 
Right. Exactly right. Not good. Um, so you've done a bunch of flips, um, which is very interesting because you've seen a lot of different things in the Austin market. Could you tell us about one that just went completely wrong or you found a <laughs> lot of issues with it? Because I, I know you have. I, I haven't talked to you about this. So just, just for reference, for the people listening, we have not talked about this, but anybody that's done a lot of rehabs like I have has seen things go wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I tend to be one of these people that uh, figures things out the hard way. I mean, perfect example. I'd never built a house before. I wound up contracting to buy a lot for 450 grand and I had to get a $550,000 construction loan. So I'm taking a million dollar gamble on something I've literally never done. Of course, of course, some of that is mitigated by the fact that I've got knowledge from flipping and my, I've got a mentor who's helping me yada, 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 but I tend not to do things in a small way. <laughs> I like to I like to go big or go home and kind of jump in both feet first. I would not recommend that. But yeah. all of that, all of that background is to say the first flip I ever bought, I was wholly unprepared. I was completely not ready. I bought too big of a house. I bought too far outside of the city center. I spent too much money updating it. And, um, you know, it struggled. We didn't, we, it struggled to sell. It was on the market for what's an eternity in this market. Twi I won't even say a number of days because it doesn't matter the number of days, but it was on the market twice as long as a normal inventory home would be on the market here. Mm -hmm. And um, so we had to kind of figure out cutting the price hadn't made any, hadn't gotten us any traction. So we got super lucky in the fact that I, I wound up owner financing it to the gentleman that owns the house now. So I'm just acting as the bank, but man, everything went wrong. Everything went wrong. I was not prepared. Uh, if I could give advice to a new flipper is be prepared, do a lot of homework. Don't do, don't follow in my footsteps, go buy a couple of books or rent them or, you know, download them online and really get into the nitty gritty and try to understand what you're signing up for because it's a lot yeah. it's not difficult it's really not difficult anybody can flip a house anybody truly anybody can flip a house it's not difficult it's just complex yeah and flipping is not as forgiving as some of the other sectors like buy and hold real estate if you mess up on your numbers on the buy and hold just hold it for a little bit longer and you'll probably yep. be okay but Yep. Flipping, you've got a short time period. You need to get this right. And mm -hmm. a little mistake makes a big difference on a flip. A hundred percent. Well, and, and you know, the money is expensive too. Buy and hold financing is cheap. Flip financing is expensive. Mm -hmm. So there's, it's, there's a lot of risk involved. So I would Absolutely. definitely advise people to, to have a very solid a partner with somebody on your first one. 50% of something is better than 100% of nothing. Part, yeah. Find a flipper that needs a capital investment and kind of piggyback off them and learn or whatever you need to do to educate yourself before you take that step. Hey guys, this is Jordan Moorhead here and I wanted to ask if you could do a huge favor for me. If you could go leave a review for this podcast wherever you're listening to it, that would really help me get this into the hands of other people that are interested in information about Austin real estate investing and I'd be able to help more people. Thanks guys. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of contractors out there who love to partner with somebody who has more, more capital than they do. Or maybe there's just even somebody that wants to get into it and 
has something a completely different skill set than you. I am not construction savvy myself. Mm-hmm. And you know, somebody like me that can go out and find a deal would work great with somebody that's construction savvy. So figure out what you don't have, partner with that on your first deal. Like you're saying, you don't have to get a hundred percent of it. It's better to get started and get 50% and have a successful endeavor than and get a hundred percent of something that doesn't work out well. Exactly. And also not only do you get 50% of the profit, but what most people get stuck on is that. And they'd also forget you also have 50% of the liability. So, you know, you may not make as much money, but you have somebody else putting their skin into the game. The likelihood of it being a deal that's going to make money is greater because now you both have skin in the game. Absolutely. That's great advice. Speaking of, what's your best advice for people looking to start flipping in the Austin area or just really in, in building, developing, anything investing related that you do? What would you recommend somebody else do if they want to get started here? Uh, just educate yourself. And that can look like a million different things. Mm-hmm. What it does not look like is watching HGTV. Um, <laughs> you know, get onto Google and look up some YouTube videos. There's some really informational and very relevant, accurate um, YouTube videos on building, on flipping, on real estate investing, on, you know, if you want to buy a house and BRRRR it, if you want, I mean, whatever you want to do. Um, But educate yourself. Educate yourself before you get involved. I've seen way more than one time people take a gamble with everything they have and it not work out. So I, you know, I would not, I, I encourage everybody to educate themselves because nobody wants that to happen. Absolutely. And, you know, right now uh, it's right during the middle of COVID we're in January of 2021. So there may not be as many in-person educational experiences, but there's still Mm -hmm. zoom. There's still books. There's still YouTube soak up information make sure you're getting the information from the right people mm-hmm. you know there's tons of sources out there but once things open back up a little bit don't be afraid to jump on a plane and go to conferences out of state or pay a couple bucks to go to a conference or so or go to meetups even if you've got to pay a couple bucks to get in typically the stuff that you have to pay for and not always but typically the stuff you have to pay for might be higher quality than just the free stuff you found online and it's and paying like you that's such a great point but i want to just bring up another one that paying for it might not necessarily mean going to a conference mm-hmm. but you know get creative go up to a builder or a, or a flipper and say hey you know I, i'd like to intern for you i'll be your runner i will yeah. work on this project and you know get get creative there's so many people their excuses oh i don't have the money no that's not really an excuse the only excuses that exist are literally in your mind mm-hmm. um any look at the world around you look at what's been done it was all done by a human being so there's there's no limits to what you can do if you remove limiting thinking from the way you live your life you can do anything you want but educate yourself first and then just do it absolutely and i think that's a a great piece of advice. Clearly, you're doing this with this house you're building right now because that's a big risk, you know, and there's a lot that goes into that. And like your mentor said, hey, what what could really go wrong that you don't know how to deal with? You don't know how to pour a foundation. But once that's done, as long as you get a reputable person to pour the foundation, 
You know how to do everything else. You've been flipping for a while. You know everything about that. And I'll go one step further with the guy who was pouring the foundation. I, I try to get buy-in from anybody I'm working with. I, I highly recommend if, if somebody that's watching wants to get really into this business and really wants to build a business doing this, get buy-in from the people you work with. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of times I will get a bid and I'll look at the contractor and I'll say, look, I'm actually going to give you $500 more than what you bid this out as but I want you to spend extra close attention and pay extra special attention to detail. In the, in the big scheme of things, $500 is probably, I mean, I typically try to keep it around um, like 10% so that it's a big number. Like if it's a $5,000 bid, I'll add an extra $500. Mm -hmm. but I get way wor more worth out of that $500 than I would have if they gave me a $5,500 bid up front. So, you know, get buy-in from people, get skin in the game. I had, this is the first project I've ever built, but I've got a beautiful sign that we put in the front yard that was designed by um, our marketing guy. And it's got beautiful images of the property that we want to build, my logo. And then it's got the logos of my plumber, of our private money lender, of the guy who poured our foundation. And uh, who's the fourth one? And the, the wholesaler that we got it through. So. Now I've got that, and I did that on purpose because I don't know what I'm doing with foundation, but his logo is on the front of the house. Mm -hmm. So if the house looks like dog meat after we get the framing up, his logo's on it. Yeah. So he was, he was further incentivized to do a good job. There's so many ways in this business to, to skin a cat, but we're constantly trying to think of ways to, to develop. To, I want to bring value to everybody I do business with. So mm -hmm. look, I'm happy to advertise your logo and give you hopefully phone calls coming from this lot, but I want a damn good job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you bring up a great point there. If you take care of the people that are doing work for you, they're probably going to take care of you. So like you said, you're paying them a little extra. I always try to pay people promptly. So if I get a bill in my inbox, I pay it right then. I don't mm -hmm. wait. I don't make people wait to get paid and make them wonder, am I gonna get paid by this guy or not? They know when I bill Jordan, he pays me right away every time. Like you said, I want people to profit. I want people to do well. I just want them to take care of me while they're doing it. So I refer all sorts of business to contractors I use. I think that really helps to build some trust between you and them. And they will make sure that your job is done perfectly every time when you're taking care of them. A hundred percent agree. Yeah. So it's it it can be a win-win it has to be a win-win it can't just be about you if you're always looking out for you and you're not looking out for other people it's not going to go as well as you'd think you know things are probably going to go poorly for you if you're just thinking about yourself and trying to cut everybody else's pay a little bit and get it a little cheaper for yourself you're probably not mm -hmm. going to care too much if they say hey it's going to cost xyz and you know that's a fair price and you're trying to negotiate them down or pay them less or make them wait for their pay, it's going to come back and haunt you in the end. And then another super simple but uh, really important point is when we offer 7 or 10% more than the bid, mm -hmm. there is never a construction project that doesn't have a change order. It doesn't exist. 
Yeah. So, so in the future, when we get to that change order and the contractor's coming to me and saying, hey, this is going to take more time, I look at them and I say, okay, I understand. Now, you know I've already given you 7.5% more than what you originally bid. So when you're thinking about how much extra time it's going to cost and what you're going to charge me, please keep that in mind. So it saves me money. I get better work and it saves me money in the long run. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. I guess the biggest point, if you take nothing else out of this interview, take care of the people that you want to take care of you and your life's going to be so much easier. You're going to get so much more business and so much more done. It's such a higher quality than if you're always just looking out for yourself, you know, look out for the people that you expect to look out for you. Yes. Life's going to be a lot easier, especially, you know, yeah, you're paying them to do a job. I hear that all the time. Well, I'm paying them. They should just do it right especially mm -hmm. in the construction industry right now, they don't have to work for you or really anywhere in the real estate industry right now. Nobody has to pander for business. Nope. So if you want them to take care of you, you better take care of them or you're going to be in trouble. Yeah. That's a, awesome. I think probably one of the most important things that could be said on this podcast and for anybody to hear this trying to do rehabs, remember your contractors are people and you need to take care of them too. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, you're giving them an asset, you're giving them what's most likely either your most valuable or second most valuable asset in your life, you want to, mm -hmm. you want to take care of the person that's taking care of your second or first biggest asset. Yeah, absolutely. So, Nicholas, what's your favorite book on flipping that you've ever read? I'm sure you've read a few. Actually, I don't think I've ever read a book specifically about flipping, I will be honest. Really? Um, I have an enormous collection of business books. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I have been really poor about reading them recently, but I love business books. I read them voraciously. I read them frequently. I read them again and again. I've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad probably half a dozen times. I've read The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone probably 10 times. Um, there's, there's so many options out there. What would your, your number one favorite book that you recommend to people to read be? I hope I don't lose part of your audience with this answer. Um, but probably The Secret or something like that. It's a book about, it's literally a book about what we were just talking about is when you do good things, good things come to you. And when you think about what you want to do in life, if you are constantly thinking about being successful and you are constantly getting into that every day and not just thinking, you can't just think, that's an important distinction. But if you're constantly doing something to further what you're thinking about every day and you're thinking about that every day, your life is limitless. You can do anything you want. I was just kind of reflecting recently, 11 years ago, due to the economy, a business that I had went bankrupt and I really lost everything. My car was repossessed. I started over in 2000 and is exactly 11 years ago this month, 2010 in January, I started over and my job that I was lucky to find at that time, um, my mom would take me, she would drive me to the bus. I would take a bus to downtown Dallas and get on a train. I would take that, that train to Richardson and get on another bus. And then I would take that bus from Richardson to Allen. And when I got to the final bus stop that went as far north as it could go. I had to get off the bus and walk for three quarters of a mile. And that is a true story. 
And I did that. I got that job in January, January 2010, pull the data. It was cold. I was miserable. I was broke. And that really, I mean, two hours plus on the beginning and the end of your day, that beat anybody down. It's tough. Mm -hmm. But my point with saying all that is I've got over $3 million in residential development currently going on. And hopefully this year is going to be even more plentiful than that. And we have a lot more going on. And I've built it all in 11 years. And I'm not that smart. Anybody, anybody can succeed in this business. But, you know, how hard are you going to work? Mm -hmm. How hard are you going to think about it every single day? So I know that was a super long winded answer to your question. But the book, The Secret, you know, the first time and I'll be honest, the first time I read it, it went over my head. Mm -hmm. I thought this is a bunch of hocus pocus. It's kind of garbage. And the more and more in my in my career and even personal life that I've explained who I am and what I want to do and and what I want my life to look like. My life has literally, in so many ways, and at a pace way more rapidly than I would have ever imagined, has started to look exactly like what I've been talking about for the last 10 years. That's awesome. And that's the secret. Who's that by? Ooh, good question. And I'm embarrassed. I don't know the answer, but I don't know the answer. Okay. Uh, we will put that in the show notes. Uh, I'll have Nicholas get that to us. So we'll put it's the secret is the name of the book. Nicholas, how can people get a hold of you if they want to reach out and just learn more about what you're doing? Maybe they have a lot that they think might be good for you to build on. Yeah, sure. So we work in super close concert. One of my business partners owns a wholesaling company. Um, if you want to reach out to us in regards to wholesaling and what that aspect and that part of real estate looks like, I would encourage people to jump on that website. It's Penguin, like the black and white guy, penguinpropertypartners.com. Uh, if they want to reach out to me, my company's website is taikipropertygroup.com. And Taiki is, is it's the Greek god of the home, basically. So if you can't remember how to spell it, you can Google that. But it's T-Y, as in yo-yo, C-H-E, propertygroup.com. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I did not know there was a Greek god of property. Yeah, just kind of of the I'm 50, I'm 25% Greek. My dad was 50%. His mom was 100. So wow. I'm a quarter. And, yeah. um, you know, I wanted something that was back to my roots. That's awesome. So Nicholas, last question. One of the most important questions we ask our guests is what's your favorite restaurant in Austin? Holy cow, you're talking to somebody who goes to a lot of restaurants. That's a tough ask. Uh, I, we, I'll give you three of my tops and I'll explain why I can't do less than three. Okay. Um, I'm a foodie. We, we, we almost eat out like seven meals, uh, you know, it's dinner seven days a week for the most part. I love 1618 Asian Fusion on Riverside. It's incredible. Elon Musk has recently eaten there, so it must be pretty good. Really? Um, yep. It's awesome. And then I would say Intero. A, we wound up going there one time out of the blue. We couldn't get a, a reservation at one of the restaurants that we wanted to. And this one was close by and they happened to have a last minute cancellation. Anyway, we swooped in and it's owned by this incredible woman. Her name's Crystal. Her husband's the chef. They have the best Italian food in Austin, I think. And then my third favorite has got to be Loro. Laurel, Laurel on Lamar. 
Oh, okay. Yep. It's amazing. I don't know for anybody who doesn't know what Loro is. It's actually the brainchild of the owners of Franklin Barbecue and Uchi. Oh, wow. And it's not expensive. It's incredible, super high quality, excellent food that's not expensive. Their burger at lunchtime is life-changing. I think I know where I'm going to dinner. Oh, it's amazing. It is, and, and the setting is amazing too. It's in a huge thicket of oak trees. They've got tons of outdoor seating under the oaks. It's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. So we will put all of those in the show notes too, along with Nicholas's book recommendation. Nicholas, thank you so much for coming on here today. Anybody wants to reach out to you, we will put your website in the show notes. Also your partner's wholesaling company website in the show notes. Thank you so much. It was great talking to you. I know I see you on the, uh, the KW forum all the time, and it's great to connect and learn more about you. Yeah, you too. Thank you for having me. Happy to come back if you have any follow-up questions or want to talk to us again. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we will have this episode out soon for you guys. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs>